Let me ask you, have you or anybody that you know had a near-death experience? I'm not talking about walking in on your parents having sex or narrowly avoiding a car wreck. No, I mean where circumstances actually cause your heart to stop and you cease to breathe, you know, where you're technically dead, D-E-A-D, dead, and then suddenly you're revived. You really uh, get an opportunity to realize that you have been given another chance at life. So what's important to you? Does your attitude and perspective change? Do you become more or less faith-oriented? Are you thanking God? Or are you asking yourself, uh, gee, why did I get rejected from the afterlife? It's bad enough I had to die. But here I am back. There's a lot of things that can go through a person's mind when you've gone through this kind of experience. Interestingly enough, uh, thankfully, I say right now, I've never had to, to encounter this. But I have had nearly a half dozen friends who have. And somebody who is still alive to this day to talk about it is someone that I was briefly referring to last Tuesday when I got back from Seattle on the show. And it's somebody who I had the pleasure of reuniting with. We've been friends for over 30 years. Uh, when I was in Seattle a uh, week and a half ago, and... He's said that he's willing to come on the program today and to talk about his experience. So let's welcome to the John McMullen Show from Seattle, our friend Andrew Thiessen. Hi, Andrew. How are you today? Hey there, John. Thank you for having me on. Oh, Doing awesome. Good. That's great to hear. Um, for the sake of the audience, we'll, we won't go into the um, full extent or details because that's your private life, but I do just want to clarify that what put all of this in motion was that initially last year you had what they call a silent heart attack, right? Yeah. Yeah. It happened in June and, um, it's interesting. I didn't know it was a silent heart attack. I thought I just had uh, food poisoning. That's why it's silent. Silent. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I had, I had zero clue about that. Um, and, uh, you know, went to see my doctor. Everything was great. Um, even he didn't detect that. So um, we had no clue what was going to be happening here in the next few months. Wow. I wonder how many people have a similar experience. I'm sure because of the amount of cardiac issues that happen uh, around this country, around the world, uh, every day, that it's not really all that uncommon, but it's certainly kind of scary when you think that your medical professionals may not be able to initially see that it was uh, simply, uh, and I don't mean to make this light, but that it was a heart attack. So how was it that 
they ultimately realized that you had a heart condition and how did that play into the bigger attack that you had uh, that led to you uh, losing your life uh, if momentarily? Well, it was kind of interesting because, you know, so many things can hide a heart attack and, and the symptoms are the same. I mean, last year, we're talking global pandemic. We're, we're talking COVID. Right. Um, and so right in the middle of COVID season, this happened. And uh, I thought, wow, you know, so I'm online and I'm looking at COVID symptoms and I'm looking at what I was experiencing. And it was a mirror. It was exactly the same symptom. So heart attack was the furthest thing from my mind. I thought I had COVID. And um, so we were going down that track of looking at that. And one thing led to another. And I went to go see this other specialist and checked out just fine. I had three different COVID tests. All were negative. We couldn't figure it out. Um, how, were, through- how were you feeling at the time? I mean... Was your um, body telling you, I really feel like crap or what? So, yeah, well, yeah, the symptoms I had, um, I had all the symptoms of COVID except for the fever. So I had shortness of breath. I had a dry cough. Um, One thing that was really odd was I could only walk 25 feet and then I'd have to stop and catch my breath. Wow. Wow. So uh, it was really odd. I mean, I've never had that happen. I also couldn't lay flat. So like I couldn't go to bed and lay horizontal on the bed. I had to sleep sitting up. Oh, nice. I know. I've never done that. Right? I do it every no. day at from 4 to 6 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> well, your audience may agree with that, but, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, so, uh, you know, these are just bizarre type of symptoms, and I never experienced them. But if you look them up online, they all fit in with what you can read about COVID. So how long did you experience these symptoms before you finally really got sick? Uh, well, it I found later, you know, after all of this happened, that the silent heart attack was in June. And I didn't go into the ER hospital for the main issue till late September, beginning October. Wow. So almost like four months, right? Yeah. Well, because, you know, your doctor says, well, I don't know what it is. Let me refer to you to a specialist. So then I went to a pulmonologist and then the pulmonologist recommended me to a cardiologist. And so, you know, you're, you're, going through like a checklist of, well, it's not this. Okay. Check. It's right. not that. Okay. Check. And, um, so you were, you, were, were you only able to walk like the 25 feet that you're talking about for, for the whole four month duration? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. That had to really be disconcerting. Well, it was, you know, you go downstairs to do the laundry and, you know, you got to stop at the bottom of the stairs or you come upstairs from the laundry and you got to stop. And, you know, I couldn't mow the lawn anymore. So, you know, (laughs) you know, something's wrong. You just don't know what it is. Absolutely. So then you end up going to the hospital in or near around October and it was kind of an adventure, uh, that day, uh, as I recall you telling me the story, 
your significant other was working, and you had agreed that he would take you over to the emergency room at the hospital uh, at the end of his workday, correct? Yeah, yeah. I get off work around 2.30, and he's usually around 4.30, 5 o'clock. So then you go to the hospital, and what happens? So that night, you know, we went to the hospital late, um, and I had been in a week prior, and uh, they did diagnose me with uh, congestive heart failure. Um, and they sent me home, and this was the second time I went to the ER, and they said, well, we're going to keep you overnight for observation. And um, that's when the next big event happened. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to yeah, tell you about well, that? It's humorous. Yeah, I we'll, mean, it's we'll get into that in just a second. I, I want to ask another couple of questions first, though, just to kind of set the scene for the audience. Um, as long as I've known you, you've been in reasonably good to great physical shape. And you are, what, in your mid-50s at this point? Yeah, yeah, oh. mid-50s. I okay. used to go to the gym every day. Okay. You know? So, I mean, I just want people to know this is not somebody who's, you know, been playing couch potato and never working <laughs> out and, you know, who's generally been uh, in an active lifestyle, right? And so exactly. you're, you're not exactly the picture of what we would think of as, you know, a heart attack victim. So you go to the hospital and tell us about what happens. So uh, they put me in a, a regular room for um, observation. And there was an unruly patient there that was really loud. And uh, I asked the nurse, I go, hey, I need to get some sleep. Can I go somewhere else? And the nurse comes back and she said, hey, you know, we have a couple rooms in the ICU um, that are open. It's a slow night. Would you mind? I said, please, I just need some sleep. And so uh, she got a couple orderlies and they, they wheeled me out and I went to the new room and um, she set me up, you know, with monitoring equipment, you know, whatever they hook up to you. Right. And then she left and I saw the door close. And uh, I must have fallen asleep instantly. You know, I, I don't remember, you know, waiting for a few minutes. It was like I was out. And um, what happened next, it was serious at the time. But if you know me, you know, I'm a very humorous person, right? Yeah. And um, when I woke up, I heard the the nurse in my right ear say, oh, he's coming. He's waking up. He's waking up. And I'm like, well, what's going on? You know, I you you last... thought that you just nodded off, right? Yeah, I thought, well, I'm in this room all by myself. The lights are off, and next thing I hear this woman's voice going, "He's waking up. What's going on?" So I open my eyes, and the lights are on in the room, and there are seven people around my bed. Wow, seven people, and my shirt's off. I'm like, well, was I partying? What was this? <laughs> You know, what's going yeah, on? Party right. in Andrew's room, right? Right. And uh, there were two gentlemen in uh, uh, head caps, like they were going to go into surgery. There were two people in doctor's jackets, and the rest appeared to be like nurses. And uh, the nurse that was next to me, I think it was the lady who said I was coming to, 
she got into my view, you know, she stuck her head in my view and she said, Andrew, we couldn't get your pants off. We couldn't get your shorts off. Wow, that was some party. I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> um, and and uh, you had to sleep through it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she asked me, she said, hey, we need to get your shorts off. So she turned around and she grabbed a pair of scissors and she was going to cut them off. And uh, And you were like, no, these are my favorites. <laughs> I, I'm like, no, these are my favorite summer shorts. You can't do that. And I looked at her and I looked at the, I mean, all these people were staring at me, right? There were six other people staring at me. Okay. I'm like, have you people not heard of a drawstring? Hello, what's wrong with you people? Right. <laughs> so I flipped down the top of my shorts. I undid the drawstring. I scooted out of my shorts and I flung them up and I handed them to the nurse. And I said, and there you get a show too. So there I am naked on the bed in front of these people and I hand the shorts to the nurse and I said, no, I'm going to need those back when I leave. And they started, you know, their, their eyes got big and their jaws dropped. They were looking at me like, oh my God. And then they started putting blankets on me. The amazing thing, John, is I didn't understand, but I had died like five, ten minutes ago, and they just resuscitated me. And when she said he's coming around, that was after my second heart attack. Wow. I didn't know that. And here I am seconds later, you know, it's kind of like he's back. Right. <laughs> here I am looking at them square in the eye, telling them not to cut my favorite shorts, and oh, by the way, here you go and you get a show. So you um, didn't have a painful sensation as to when the heart attack itself happened, like, you know, no sudden bug-eyed open and, and, nope. then, and then out of it? No, it was, it was totally in my sleep. It's like it must have happened in my sleep. I woke up and there were all these people. So it was kind of a blessing. Right. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel any congestion in the chest. I didn't feel anything painful. But when you wake up and there's seven people in your room looking at you, it's like, what's going on here? You know. Well, when you and I had lunch a uh, little over a week ago, um, I asked you if you had any recollection of what transpired in the time that you were temporarily expired. And you indicated that you did. And I don't want to necessarily ask you to have to share all of that again. I think it's highly personal. But um, but I think it does set a frame of mind that I'd like to get to because clearly what did happen in your very fitful resting in peace momentarily um, was something that seems like it may have really touched your life in a way that, you know, I was posing at the beginning of this, that if you get a second chance at being here on planet Earth after going through something so physically traumatic as that, you get the gift of having your life back after it was momentarily taken. What does that do to somebody in that situation? I'm I'm sure that this was, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but must have been uh, 
you know, a scenario in which your own coming to terms with uh, took a little evolving. It does. You know, I think getting back to what you had stated, you know, how has it changed your life? It changes your thinking. It, it changes what you value, what, what truly, really matters to you. Because you realize nothing goes with you. You know, maybe that car that you like, or maybe you have that house that you like, or whatever it is, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of on loan. Yeah. Because when you pass over, that's it. But there is, there are things that you do take with you. And that is, you take with you the love that you share with other people. You take with you the relationships that you have with those people. You know, there is a connection there. Yeah. I mean, I, re I remember thinking about it. I thought about my mom, my grandmother, everybody that mattered to me. I thought about Tim. I thought about my brother. I thought about my dad. You know, anybody and everybody in my family. And um, you get to value those relationships. And we're human beings. You have good times. You have bad times. Was there a sense... Did you have a sense that there was a welcoming committee waiting for you on the other side? Um, no, I didn't see a welcoming committee on the other side, but so I did feel there, there was there was no Carol Ann come to the white light. No, okay, no, <laughs> there was no tunnel of light, and you yeah. know, uh, a short lady going, Carol Ann, go to the light, right. <laughs> there wasn't that. I didn't see any stereotypical tunnel or anything like that. But you did share with me that you felt this overwhel overwhelming feeling of being filled with love. And that that clearly is reflected in not that you weren't a loving, caring, uh, you know, engaging, pleasant person to be with. Uh, or be around before you had this horrible incident, uh, you've always, as I've known you, been very outgoing, kind, generous, and uh, fun-loving. So it doesn't seem like totally out of the norm, but you felt that it gave you an even greater sensation of love, didn't it? Exactly, yeah. It It's hard to imagine you know, you have love for your spouse, you have love for your parents, you have love for your children, your pets. This kind of love, it it permeates every cell of your being, every fiber. You have never experienced anything like that. And you're not the first person that I've heard this from who's had that experience. It makes me wonder then why a person would choose to come back. Do you have any sense of that? You know, I don't know. That's the question that's kind of, in a way, been haunting me, so to speak. Your chapter is, maybe has just not been fully written. Yeah. You know what? Did I not complete something? Or did I complete something? Or the other question would be is, maybe I'm back, and in some way I'm going to help somebody complete something they need to. And maybe you're going to tell the story of what you've been through to help those challenged by issues, whether they be of faith or just faith in themselves, to understand that in a world that 
today is so filled with angst, hate, uh, you know, difference of opinion that is driving people who ordinarily have gotten along just fine, not knowing everybody else's politics and all of that nonsense. Uh, we really live in a very tumultuous time in our history. Yeah. It, when you do come back, I will say that there is a definite shift in thinking. Um, you get back into what truly matters to you. You know, as I mentioned, you know, when you leave, uh, your thought, you think about the love, you think about the relationship, your connections. Yeah. Um, and when you come back, it's again, the focus is, you know, on those relationships, you, you focus in on being grateful. Um, I think you'd made a mention when we chatted if I had any type of, you know, habits or things that I do. And yeah, every day I'm grateful. I'm grateful for something each and every day. I see that. Where, where you used to post, like the rest of us, things that may be reflecting of current events and things like that that we all get a little hung up on at times. What I see coming from you now is every day there are inspirational quotes, there are reminders of of that gratitude and what we all have to be grateful for. And in a way, and I know that this sounds horrible, but if everybody had the same experience that you had, you kind of wish that everybody got the uh, Control-Alt-Delete on their life uh, at some point to kind of get us back on the right path. I wonder what would happen if that's what happened to not only our leadership, but leadership all over the world, and maybe we'd get to a more peaceful place. Yeah, that's why I do it. You know, um, in case people don't know, I, on my Facebook account, I'll post like little tiny snippets of things, things to think about. A lot of it are things that matter to me. They're lessons I need to learn. Um, being grateful and, and actually forgiveness. Kindness is free. You know, I do have some people that I've seen post those things before, and they're great little reminders. As you scroll, you know, you see the news, like you mentioned, regardless of what your, you know, your path is, etc. But just if I could send something like that to somebody, I don't know what's happening in your life. Maybe there's things you tell me, things you don't. But maybe that one post will get that person to stop and think for a second. Yeah. You know, um, and maybe it's just the exact thing that they need to hear. Nobody. At that moment. I don't think anybody's ever excited by the idea of having to suffer a heart attack, let alone a few of them, uh, or any other major debilitating situation. I'll be grateful if I never have to go through a third stroke. But yeah. I will tell you that my perspective on life and on, on the world in general has changed some since the time that I had that. And also, um, by the very nature of what happens to people who are stroke victims, that makes you more emotional. Uh, that was one of the things I couldn't understand why I just started to cry all the time after I had this. And, and the doctor said, no, that's completely normal for somebody who has gone through what you've gone through. Um, it makes me ask you the question, are you glad it happened to you? 
Yes. Yes, I am very much. Like I said, it, it's changed my, you know, everything in my world in regards to what I value, what I find important. Um, it changes what I do every day. How's it I mean, I'm, how's I'm a human being. You have good times, you have bad times, right? But right. it gives you that laser focus of, oh, yeah, that's what's really important. Has, has it changed any of your relationships for better or worse? It has changed my relationships incredibly. Going through that kind of an experience is, is very, very humbling. Um, I remember when I woke up after I had my surgery, uh, I had emergency open heart. Um, and when I woke up, it was very, very humbling um, to see. The lesson I learned was no matter what you do, no matter where you are, you have an impact on other people. Um, great and small, people in your home, in your family, people at work, people in your community. Um, I had cards from people. My coworkers had sent some things to my house. Um, I had little letters from people. Um, it, it hits you like a ton of bricks. How many people whose lives you've had an impact in some in a very small way, some in a very large way. And again, it builds upon that foundation of love and the relationships you have with them. Sure. Um, and I don't know the answer to this, uh, so this is not me asking a leading question for the sake of the <laughs> audience. Um, but because uh, I've never asked you this, but are you uh, or were you previously a person of faith? I was brought up as a person of faith, yes. Okay. And did this experience in general, uh, going through this glow of love and appreciation and gratitude, did that reinforce or alter in any way what you grew up believing? Yes and no. Some things of it did. Um, I do pray. Um, uh, I, I do a lot of the same things that I grew up doing. Uh, it's just a little bit different now, um, than what it used to be, but it does reinforce, you know, again, whatever your faith is or your, you know, cherished belief, um, that there is life after. I mean, all of the major belief systems believe there is life after, um, and there is. So... Well, I, th I think a lot of people will take a lot of encouragement out of your words, regardless of what they choose to hear. What you have said really does communicate that there is no reason to fear that life is going to be what it's going to be, and in the end, you're going to be at peace no matter what your lot in life has has been fortunately or unfortunately. And so the best thing that people I think can do is to make the most of every day that they have, right? Exactly. And, and make the most of your relationships, yeah. the people you meet and be kind. Kindness is free. It doesn't hurt you to open a door for somebody. God, no. <laughs> and that's missing. That's missing a lot. Back to your other point of, People have different, you know, views, etc. It, it doesn't matter in the end. Yeah. Open the door. 
A lot to think about, my friends. Uh, Andrew, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story today. And it's one that I think is really important, especially as we are hopefully descending from a very rough and rocky ride through the pandemic where a lot of people in the normal course of life have lost somebody or have looked at various ailments or challenges that they've had physically and and maybe come close to the end um, but also of course all the other people who have passed away due to the conditions of the pandemic and and whatnot I think it gives people a, a greater sense of hope to know that that this overwhelming feeling of love is really what lie ahead yes very much so great well thank you for sharing it today you're welcome thank you so much very much have appreciated and uh, i'm sure that our audience uh, feels similarly uh, and um, we will definitely uh, be saying a prayer for you and hoping that your health continues to be back on the path to uh, recovery. And uh, I presume having seen you the other day uh, and you were out walking about uh, that you're back to being able to live life for the most part as you always did. Is that right? Oh yeah. The, the doctors were amazed at how quickly I bounced back and healed. I imagine part of that can be credited yeah. to your um, overwhelmingly positive attitude too. So thanks for being with us here on The John McMullen Show. Again, our guest, Andrew Thiessen from Seattle, who went beyond and back. And I'm so glad that you did and you were able to share the story with us, Andrew. We'll talk Thank with you, you soon. Okay, take okay, care. Bye-bye.